Well, hello, everybody. We got Jim Berger. We got Jake Wakeley tonight. How is everybody with this wonderful uh, Devil's Ranger victory? I'm good with it. I mean, it's the Devil's win. I mean, the video is about to go up, so you all know what I was doing after they won tonight. And for those that don't know, well, that's too bad because you're not in on it. (laughs) So it's been, what, over two weeks since the Devils last had their game against the Buffalo Sabres when they won. Uh, Jim, we – Obviously, you had to talk about um, your 960 uh, Mississauga uh, chat you had with Rob Mike Richards. Can you give the folks some sense of that? Yeah, I mean, basically, we're just going around the NHL. Uh, we highlighted, obviously, the Devils today because uh, they were first team, first game back in about two and a half weeks. Um, and then for some of the guys, um, you know, more than that, Blackwood felt like it was like four weeks. Um, but you know, we were just talking about, you know, the team, how they would look. I basically, you know, they actually played better than I thought they would, to be honest. Um, I thought they'd be a lot more sloppy and maybe they would lose. Um, but I'm glad, you know, good hard victory. Um, good third period by them, to be honest. I really thought their legs were there. You know, so it's a good victory. It wasn't pretty at times, but they don't say how. They just say how many, and it's two points in a win column. Yeah, it it go, just goes to show like how resilient they are. I mean, you talk about the two to four week layoff. It, it really can mean a lot in like, you know, hockey, you know, senses. But really, like they just had their skating legs on, and um, yeah, Nick Merkley wasn't so the second period, but he made up for it. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think he definitely made up for it, uh, for sure. I mean, obviously, he got the goal, make it 4-2, give him a little insurance. And I like the way the team was buzzing. I mean, they got the 3-2 lead on the Sharon Govich goal, which was a nice deflection, keeping the pressure. They kept the pressure on the Rangers all night, especially in that third period, which, by the way, is a good thing, especially if you're a team that hasn't played. Obviously, you know, Buffalo, they've lost two games now coming out of their COVID thing. Um, to the Islanders, but the Islanders are a much better team. I think the Devils, the way their style of play helps them. They're not as I want to say run and gun, but they're more defensive minded in in their style. And obviously, having Blackwood back there makes them a better team. I really, I really think he won them this game again. Um, he's just looking so good, and it, it gives the team confidence when you have confidence in your goaltender. Not like that. It's not like Wedgwood or Comrie didn't play well. They did. They played well. But when you have your number one in net, it gives the rest of the team life. <clears throat> you obviously talk about, you know, the players having life. I talk about, you know, to the puck authority guys that when you have your number one goaltender, really helps the defense and the forwards as like the first and second line of defense to breathe a little bit better and they can – simulate the game a little bit easier throughout their brains, but I'm not sure if that exactly transitions all the time in some ways because some goaltenders are a bit better than others. But really, I like the way the Devils overcame the adversity uh, that they had in the second period. But 
to your point, though, the third period really was that make-or-break period. It was. I mean, look at it. 2-2 two, two game going to third period. Um, you know, again, like I said, did the Devils play good? Eh, I won't call it a good win. I mean, it's a good win, obviously. Any win's a good win, especially when you beat the Rangers. Um, it's a good win for them because it's their first game in two and a half weeks. Um, was it a pretty win? No, it wasn't pretty. It was the ugly as hell. Like, straight up, <laughs> it was ugly as hell. Like, you and I both know, we've been around the game long enough to know. Like, was it the game like they had in Buffalo where the Miles Woodline, McLeod, and Bastion were dominating? Absolutely not. But it was like that Bruin game where they found, they found an ugly way to win. And usually with a young core group of players like Sharon Govich and, and all them, like I really like that Nathan Bashan, Mike McLeod line. I usually call it the New Jersey Steelhead line because you got the two Steelheads from Mississauga playing, and they really were buzzing with speed and physicality and grit. And I really like the way Malta was playing along the boards. And I really, like, I was pushing for him last year and a couple other kids last year, um, even though John Hines was a coach. And I really wanted to see what he was all about. And tonight, it just goes to show why I'm high on certain players. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like, you know, like you were just talking about the two steelhead guys. The last, this not this, not today's hit, but the hit before when I was with the boys. They mentioned you about how you always loving the steelhead guys and they always have the steelheads coach on and stuff. So, <laughs> I mean, look, these guys, look, as I said on that previous hit, is it where you wanted McLeod um, when you drafted him? Was it, is this the ideal role you wanted him in? No, but guess what? He's found his role and he's found it with his buddy. And then you add Miles Wood to the mix and that's three physical, fast bodies on your fourth line. You can't ask for more for, than that. It reminded me, as I compared them uh, to St. Louis from their fourth line or Boston's fourth line when both those teams went to the cup. I'm not saying the Devils are going to get to a cup. No. Like, pump the brakes on that. Yeah. But if you can have develop your team where you have scoring in all four lines and your fourth line is just as fast as your first, first line – but they can play, be physical and score. That's a winning combination in any league anywhere around the world. Because especially the National Hockey League, because as you know, and as we've seen in recent times, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, your fourth line somehow finds a way to score goals. And uh, you know, you talk about the chemistry, and I when I talk to people not on the podcast, I always tell people. You know, you can't just win on skill and talent alone, you know, in this league. This league is a two-way game pretty much. You have to fight for every inch, and every square inch means a ton. And if a team can handle the puck a little bit better and get those nitty-gritty uh, chances, like tonight wasn't the sexiest game, but it was a very important win against a very heated rival against the Rangers where they're playing without their uh, – head case Tony D'Angelo to me that says a lot about this young core like going forward like I wouldn't be surprised if they get the fourth spot in the division if they were to clinch um I I could see them getting fifth at worst at this pace 
but they're above 500. I'm telling you this versus last year. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I think this team can definitely play spoiler. I don't know if they're, you know what? They could battle for that fourth spot, as my buddy Mark Weiss says on the last one on hockey. He picked the Devils to finish fourth, so you know what? Hey, kudos to him. I personally think the four teams that are there right now are the four teams that are going to get into the playoffs. But um, to me, I just think what they got there, what they they have right now, um, you know, they're playing well. And you know what? They could knock off some of these teams. Like, look, Pittsburgh is there. You know, you got the Rangers, all that stuff. So eventually they're going – you know, they can, they can win these games and they're going to have to win these tight games. And, and you go on to say these tight games, you know, you got, I mean, the Devils have a, a big game in versus Boston on the 19th. Uh, Bruins are 10, two and two with a 786 uh, points percentage, five win. I mean, five regulation wins or actually no, I mean, eight rather, but yeah, eight regulation wins. Yeah. But you, you know what I'm saying is the Devils have a 600 uh, point, uh, win percentage uh, when it comes to that being above 500, you know, within the minimal 10 games. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they give Boston another run for their money, maybe stealing a, a second of third game series that they really took them, you know, tooth and nail. Look, the first two games they played Boston – Boston was a different team. They didn't have David Pasternak in the lineup. But they played well. And they played good defensive hockey, which is what you need to beat the Bruins. Um, They're a different team, obviously, with Pasternak in the lineup. But they do have two regulation losses. And they're at the hands of the New York Islanders. So, and Islanders, what are the Islanders? They're a good defensive hockey team that takes care of takes advantage of turnovers. The Devils tonight played good defensive hockey because they needed to, but they relied on Blackwood. Blackwood stood on his head against the Bruins. He'll probably have to do it again. He's going to have to do it every night. This is why they have Blackwood. That's why he's the future of this team. But, again, it always seems to come back to Mackenzie Blackwood for some reason. But I will say, Nico Heischer's getting close. Got guys coming off the COVID list. I want to see what this team is like when they're full strength because we have yet to see this team at full strength. I wonder what's going to look like when he sure gets back. Maybe Palmieri starts to get going. Um, guys like that. Um, maybe you can get Yancey going. Gusev maybe get going. Figure it out something because you got two good third. You got two good bottom lines. Now you just got to find a chemistry up top. Right, and you mentioned Nikita Gusev. For me, I need to see him work on his skating a little bit more and. To me, like, I know he's, like, probably a slightly below average speed right now, but if he can work on his edge work a little bit more, maybe he could be a little bit above average with his foot speed and, you know, work on being on a third or second line. And if he could get sh- the shot off a lot quicker and become a little bit more unpredictable, like we talked about on a previous uh, episode, um, maybe there's more things to come for Gusev starting to click. But Paul Mary, I mean, he's starting to, you know, get his shooting game a little bit going. But um, Will Butcher, we've been advocating for to get him. Yeah, I mean, and- I mean, Jake and I were texting. It was funny because I, I, te- I said to Jake, I said, 
you know, uh, Zaka looks good. And he's like, yeah, Butcher looks good. And, and he's like, uh, he's like, what did he say to me? Uh, He's like five. He's like got like five, like six. No, he's like nice to games. see Butcher score as well. I said, yeah. Hmm, what was missing? He's like, LOL. Good point. I'm like, he's been advocating for Will Butcher to come into this lineup because he brings a different dynamic to that defense. And look, Ryan Murray has the illness. He takes advantage of it. I mean, that's what he has to do to get in this lineup. But you know what? Good to see him score a goal because that's what he does on the back end. You know, he's got to show Lindy Ruff that, hey, I could play in the system too. And, you know, if I wouldn't be, you know, Murray's got an illness, so maybe we'll see uh, Butcher again next game. Yeah, and, you know, I would like to see more, you know, things out of Butcher, you know, more extra samples of him getting to play and shoot more. I mean, Ty Smith's been pretty hot since the start of the season, kind of cooled off a little bit, but he's got chemistry with the Jack Hughes uh, on his front, and he can definitely pass the puck, and you know, two guys on that line, and you know, guys with a lot of foot speed and a lot of smarts, they really bring the best out of each other. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't believe, agree a hundred percent on that. They looked really well tonight. Um, I liked Pavel Zaka's game tonight. Um, I really did. Um, he had the goal. Um, and again, like you know, Zaka's one of those guys that. You know, if he plays, like, every night like he plays, like, tonight, then they've got something. Like, McLeod, you know, he figured it out. And, like, Bastion, he knows what he's doing. Like, Wood, you, you know, I don't know. He, I don't know if he figured it out, but he's, you know, he just figures things out on his own. Um, But I don't know if he's figured it out. He may have some problems up in the head, but that's here and there. But Zaka, you know, he if he can figure things out, maybe, maybe figure out that third-line center role for himself, and maybe take over um, that position from Zajac when Zajac finally goes, that's good for the Devils to have. It's healthy. Right, exactly. You want depth down the middle. You want that down the middle. Look at Winnipeg, even though Dubois out. You got that down the middle? Man, look, I always heard, somebody told me once, it starts with goal, you got to have your stud goaltender, stud defenseman, and stud center. Like, I mean, that's what you build around. And you, you go to talk about all this, you know, skill and depth, you know, in every other position possible. Like, this is the year for um, building the team within. And I really like what Tom Fitzgerald has done as the, as his first full year as GM since last year when he made that trade for Blake, like trading Blake Coleman for Nolan Foote and the first from Vancouver via Tampa Bay. Um. We we need to recap that a little bit because we did a podcast that day. On, on yeah, we did. Yes, we did. We did do that. Yes, we did talk about that. That was a great trade by uh, Fitzgerald. I mean, look, that's a guy that's been floated around that he could come, potentially come back for the right price. I mean, you don't know what the Devils are thinking, but I mean, the question is, if they did bring him back, where would he fit? Like, I'm not saying that he's gonna come back, but I mean, look, they got. They got good – I mean, think about it. But even – don't even look at the Blake Coleman deal. Look at the Sammy Vatnin deal. Look what they got for him. And uh, Kwokunen's playing in the lineup, and they got Vatnin back. Yeah, and, you know, Vatnin coming back, I mean, will bring a, another stable right-handed defenseman who is a veteran who can help lead the charge when 
you know, PK's having a, a down night or, you know, Severson needs a little bit more leadership. Um, Botnan doesn't need to do too much. He can do a second, third pairing. Um, that makes um, Connor Carrick more expendable as a seventh defender. Um, you, you got a lot of options internally, which I really like because we're in an expansion draft season. I know I talk about it a lot on the podcast, but I can't reiterate it enough because to me, this is an audition within the audition. I would agree with that audition within the audition. Look, guys are going to be fighting for spots. They are going to be battling for what they, you know, you know, team may not be complete. You know, every, you know, you go into next year out of handful of spots, you know, out a couple guys, you know, who are locks. Other than that, everything's wide open. So you're playing for positions. And plus, this team's got nothing to lose. No one expects them to do anything this year. Like, realistically, like, where does everybody figure them to finish? Seventh, eighth, near the bottom. So look. They're playing well right now. They're like Chicago in the Central. Like, look, Chicago, they're playing well, too. They're figuring it out. I mean, look, obviously no Taze, but Kubrick scoring, Patrick Kane doing his thing. But they're getting good goaltending, and that's what the Devils have. They got Blackwood. Again, I keep referring back to Blackwood, but it's pretty simple. This guy is the future of this team, and obviously they paid him the money for a reason. And they drafted him for a reason, and he's playing the well as well as he is. And, again, he does it again against the Rangers. And, you know, considering he hasn't seen rubber in, like, four, mo- eh, four months. It's, like, feels like four months, but four weeks um, <laughs> yeah. because of COVID and everything. He looked really sharp tonight. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Devils have, you know, when they signed Corey Crawford over the – They thought that they were going to have a really superb uh, backup goaltender. But really, with Aaron Dell coming in, I mean, you can't ask for anything better than that. It sounded like Tom Fitzgerald was really interested in getting him prior to that. And it seemed like the Devils internal um, brass did a lot of research. And the Devils actually just made some uh, internal uh, advanced hires. Um, I want to talk about that too. So maybe a little bit later yeah. on. Yeah, do it a little bit. I mean, look, I like Aaron Dell um, because it makes um, it makes uh, uh, Scott Wedgwood expendable. He can go down to um, the A and play down there if, if they needed him. Because to me, I think to be honest, it would be Blackwood, Dell, and Comrie. Um, that's just me. Um, it's just uh, it's just a gut feeling. I haven't been told anything by that, but I think that's what you have to go with because Comrie played well against Buffalo, and Dell has been proven in the NHL already as a backup. Obviously, you know Blackwood's your guy, but but I want to say like having Sammy Vontnen back in this lineup defensively and Will Butcher, the Devils looked a lot better. They weren't running around. They they figured out how to – I mean, they were pinned at times, obviously late in that third period, but there was some stability on defense that they hadn't had before. Like, I'm not saying Ryan Murray didn't play well or anything, but, you know, just – Murray's been playing well for them, but having Vontnen back in that lineup, that leadership back there is really good. Yeah, another thing is Kulikov. I wasn't expecting – 
too much out of him from the off season. And this season so far, he's provided more stability on that left side. And I'm wondering what you're thinking about him along with Smith and the other kids on the left flank. Um, what would you have to say for them, you know, going forward? What would, are your expectations? I mean, look, I, when I was talking with Dave uh, Basil about cool coffee, he's like, yeah, he's just a plug and play guy. And, and, you know, that's what, you know, it's what he seems to be, but he's surpassed expectations for me. I don't know, thought maybe a seventh defenseman, but you know what? He stepped up. He's played well. Ty Smith, look, Ty Smith is, he's everything the devil's wanted him more. Um, they found their franchise defenseman. Um, the time that WHL served him well, he's developed the right way. They've developed him the right way. And he just, he just looks natural at that position. And he looks, he looks good in the national hockey league. What am I going to say? He doesn't look good. I mean, he's looked good. Um, and he's in the race for the Calder. Uh, he may win it or not, but you know what? If he does great, if he doesn't, that's okay too. But, you know what he's proven to a lot of people he can play in this league um, because he has the right partner. And that's all about having the right partner. And you look, you look, I know this is devil's podcast, but I, I just want to make a comparison, you know, real quick, you go over to, because, you know, the Hughes brothers are all tied together and, you know, we know Jack's brother Quinn plays in Vancouver and he's kind of having a down year. Well, why? Because his defense partner's gone. Why? Chris Tanev made him look good. Chris Tanev stayed back and did his thing. And Quinn Hughes could go do his thing. So Vancouver Canucks were wrong to not sign Chris Tanev. But back to the Devils, you know, Smith with the right guy makes him look good. So, and, and, and he's played well and he's played in pressure situations and he's not afraid and his head's always moving. He's always looking to make the right play. He's not, he doesn't look panicked out there. Yeah, like one of the things I think about when, I see all these other defensemen playing the way they should is that they've marinated for a long time in uh, their respective farm leagues. And, you know, makes me think about in the AHL, Riley Walsh is starting to come along after he's played in, you know, the NCAA with Harvard University. And it really goes to show, like, the Devils have a lot of options within their own uh, farm team. I call them the Newark Devils this pandemic season. So anyone here on out in um, Raising Hell in Jersey podcast hear me reference that. Um, it's because they're playing right in the Devils uh, practice facility. So, I mean, it's it's a really good problem to have. And I heard some stuff on um, the Speak of the Devils podcast about how, you know, it's easier for guys like Kevin Ball to um, adjust and deal with um, like Tom Fitzgerald being in, you know, the same building. And I wouldn't be surprised with the way um, those hires were made today or advancements, we should call them. Um, yeah, it looks I mean, like they were more advancements. They weren't, um, they weren't hires. They were just advancements like Scott Clemson, director of goalie development. Love Scotty uh, Clemmer. He's a big, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say me and him go way back, but we go back. Uh, I remember I, we, I talked to him, had a nice conversation, actually, with him in the Nassau uh, Coliseum parking lot across from the Marriott years ago. Um, good good buddy, uh, good good chat with him. Um, 
And then who were the other two advancements today? Um, so Jim Mill and yep. Kate Madigan. So Jim Mills, what director scouting? Yeah, um, let me double check the the headlines um, because I know I sent it to you. <laughs> yeah, just my 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 brain is everywhere and and stuff. So. A little bit fried, I would say. A little bit, little bit, you know. Yeah, it, it's uh, Devils make changes to hockey ops, and yes, it's Kate Madigan, um, who's named executive director. For, okay. for hockey management operations. Jim Mill takes over as director of pro scouting. Yeah, so, I mean, look, they – look, these are just nice moves to make. Um, obviously, you know, Fitzgerald is the executive vice president and general manager, and we'll see where that goes and see if he wants it, um, you know – um, and see if he wants to keep doing his general manager job because he has two positions. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they're grooming Martin Brodeur for the position. Um, but he's on the business side of things, so I don't know how much he's going to want to go to the hockey side, but you never know. Um, so, And the other couple of hires are good. I mean, you always want to upgrade your scouting department, and you, and you always want to you know, do things internally to make your team better. And I like Neil and, you know, we'll go from there. We'll see what happens with this. You know, again, these are just moves inside the organization. Um, so we'll, we'll go from there. We'll see what happens with it. I mean, again, you know, you really want to talk about, you know, advancements and stuff. You want to see the product on the ice pretty much be better than it was before. So I do want to read this part about Kate Madigan. And this is in the article, by the way, on NHL.com backslash doubles. Um, says Kate Madigan has been named executive director, hockey management operations. Madigan previously served as assistant player information video from 2017-19 before becoming director of pro scouting operations last season. Kate steps into a newly created role that is responsible for managing hockey operations projects for the general manager, which includes reports on players, free agency, trades, analytics, budget, and coordinating hockey operations personnel. So um, so anyone who's questioning those moves for um, Tom Fitzgerald at the time, she had a lot of, of um, in, in and out effects on these, on these possibility moves. Yeah, it's a good, like I said, it's a good advancement, good new job title. She's going to do great at her position. I just really don't know much about her and, and, and stuff and appreciate you reading about her. I mean, she's going to do fine. I'm not here to knock anybody who gets a position or anything like that. So hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, everything works out for her in, in that position and, and uh, you know, they see the results that they want. And the last part, last part about her I want to touch on is – it reads mostly most recently she orchestrated the logistics regarding the 2020 NHL draft and the doubles draft command center in the Prudential center, including communicating with the building operations, information, technology, medical staffs, uh, scouts, management, media relations, and the NHL. But that's what she did. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, it was, I mean, look, the, the, this past draft was a little weird. It was virtual. It was all virtual. Um, you know, you would me, you and I both had DB on Dennis Bernstein in the fourth period to talk about that. So, 
Um, and she did a great job. And look what they look who they drafted. Look how they communicated everything. Um, she did a great job, and we hope to see like our as our friend Anya Packer, um, with the NWHL. We would love to see more, you know, advancement in in women in the game because they can bring a lot. I've seen it firsthand. Um, where I've played and um, where I've been around, that they bring another element to the game that, you know, maybe a guy doesn't. And I'm not here to criticize anyone, but, you know, it's just the facts. Um, But anyway, I mean, look, she did a great job. She's going to do a great job. And, you know, that's pretty much what I got to say on that. Yeah, and then um, Jim Mill, well, most of us knew about the other guys that are – so it said here, previously served as an amateur and pro scout with the New Jersey Devils from 2015 through 2019 before becoming the head of college scouting last season. Um, Mill will now oversee the Devils pro scouting staff, which includes Al Coates, Peter Horacek, who was on the bench last year, um, Claude Noel, Andre Savard, Brian Strait, and Nick Vitucci. Um so Jim's responsibilities, well, not you, but we he will be responsible for all reporting, re, like, like schedule, scheduling and assignments of the staff while compiling information for Fitzgerald and assistant GM Dan McKinnon. So it says prior to New Jersey, Jim Mill um, served as the assistant GM with the Minnesota Wild from 2009 and 2015. Um, says he has also served in hockey management roles for the AHL, including as executive vice president of hockey operations before his time with the Minnesota Wild. I mean, look, I was listening to Pierre Maguire the other day, and he was talking about the Penguins, right? So the Mm -hmm. Penguins aren't going after people in free agency, right? They're going after, like, college free agent. I mean, I'm sorry, they're not – they've got – let me take that back. I was listening to Pierre Maguire. He was saying – that the Penguins aren't really pushing like in their draft because they don't have a lot of picks and stuff where they do everything is in free agency, especially college free agency. So a guy like, um, was it Jim Mill, right? He, uh, yep. he, he's scouted the college ranks and you know, you always want to jump on those guys when they have their, like when they're in their draft year or something, you want to get them out early and you want to be scouting certain players, even if they haven't been drafted yet. You know, there's a lot of good talent in the NCAA market, um, and this guy's done it for the Devils before, and they, and they had they have good prospects right now. They're just going to keep adding to it. So, you know, why not make him the director of scouting? Um, he's done a fine job for the Devils now. And right now, I mean, his boss is de- is technically Paul Castron. So, um, there's a lot of really good leadership there, and I think a lot of Devils fans shouldn't feel too skeptical about you know the hiring because I really like the leadership and the veteran uh, presence in that, in that brass. Um, to me, that it means the devils are building the right group to eventually build a contender and be- eventually take things seriously. I agree a hundred percent. What have I always, me and you talked about this last year a lot. What was the one? Sorry, I'm eating something. Um, <laughs> it's all good. You got to get those munchies. Um, what did you and I say last year? What was the big biggest pet peeve of mine? It was the whole entire um, 
interim GM thing, if I could remember that properly. Besides that, my biggest pet peeve with the Devils has been they're drafting and developing in the mid-2010s until now. Well, I'm not going to put Fitzgerald in it because they've actually, since Shiro come in, they've done a better job doing it. But why were they winning them cups besides bringing the right guys in? They drafted and developed the right guys. Towards the end of Lamorello's tenure, I'm not going into this 20-minute speech because everybody knows how I feel about it. Yeah. But, and it's out on last word on hockey, so you can find it there. But <laughs> they didn't draft well. They didn't develop the right way. They rushed guys along. They were wondering why this guy didn't work out. How come this guy didn't work out? You know, you rush these guys in because you had no one else to play. Well, that's not a reason. Look, they did it right with Ty Smith. They're going to do it right with Nolan Foote. Zetterlund's down there. Moltsev has proven he's been drafted and developed the right way. Look, McLeod figured it out. Guy, going back to tonight's game, Bastion, another guy down that developed right. So, again, like I said, is McLeod in the role he wants to be in? Probably not. But guess what? He's playing consistently every night now. Why? Because he's found a home on the fourth line with his buddy. Mr. Saga Steelhead, shout out. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying, they're doing things the right way now. Before they weren't, and it's paying dividends. And you talk about, you know, um, not rushing players. To me, one of my big pet peeves were a couple of guys that the Devils should have done so years ago. Um, they, I believe they rushed Ted and B a little too early. They did it to Josephson a little too early. They did it to Stefan Mateau and, uh, John Quenville. And that was the Lou Lamorello way of, unfortunately, but hey, I mean, you missed a big one. Adam Larson. Adam Larson, they they shouldn't have just jumped him all that quickly, but who knows if we made the 2011-2012 Stanley Cup rush. This is true. Sorry. <laughs> did, did you have another donut? <laughs> no, I actually have a, uh, a protein cookie um, in my mouth right now. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that explains why. Too, but what I was saying is, yeah, Adam Larson, you don't know what would have happened. I will say when Scott Stevens was there and Larry Robinson, they were teaching him, he looked really good. They rushed him, though, because they thought he was going to be the next Victor Hedman, and he wasn't. Yeah, I mean, he did have a really good shot, but I think he could have done a little bit more defensively, and I just think the way he was rushed under Lou was uh, too much too soon. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, this goes to show why I usually give a minimum to two years first if they're not in the top 10 or 15. So I usually give like a as a margin of error, if I could call that, like for your political poll out there listening to a hockey podcast. So there, that's my barometer. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that, definitely. I mean, even maybe more than that. Like with trades and stuff, you really don't know till maybe three, four years down the road. Same with players. Um, so who knows? Like, 
yeah, like um, like for instance, like we're looking at um, like how the devils are beginning to build this structure of this is actually more fast and more attacking, more supportive uh, system than when Ray Shiro got John Hines to take over. And yeah, we're, let's not even go into John Hines because we can save that for another episode when you, yeah. me, Jake, and Alex are here. Yeah, I unfortunately Alex should have been on t- tonight. I try to get him on, um, to see what he was up to. Week week. Um, I know Jake uh, would like to have a few things to say in that one. But... Oh, oh, I so do I. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have some fun. That episode is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, um, by the way, wait a minute. I will be reminisced if I didn't wish you a happy birthday on air. Oh, thank you. By the way, it's also Owen Tippett's 22nd birthday. Happy birthday, Owen Tippett. Congratulations. Hey, hey it, 216 is a, good, is a good day. And the Devils get a three uh, – get a – Five two win, and Devils are still about five hundred. So I just hope good things keep going forward. It's called momentum. It's called karma. I think so. I mean, they look good. So we'll see what happens. They again on Thursday um, when they play again. Thursday at Boston, yep. and then home to Buffalo. So mm-hmm. you know what? Those are two big games for the Devils, especially the Buffalo game. But the Boston game is big, too. Maybe they can get another W there or at least try to steal a point. I say a win, even if they lose in the extra session or so, that's still a win in my book, stealing a point from that team. And definitely they got another team that's really close to them in Washington on the 21st being Sunday. So that'll actually be on NBCSN. Um, For those of you going to be watching the Devils-Boston game, it's on ESPN+. Plus. SN360, SNE, SNW, SNP, MSG, plus two. So um, that's going to be there for those of you who want to watch it. So Devils Hockey Net uh, has it um, on the Devils app. So I actually listen to those games um, actually on the audio if I can't look at it. Yeah, I, I try to get the audio or put the, the game on Sirius XM or whatever. Um but, you know, it's going to be an interesting week for them. We'll see if Nico's back by Thursday. If he's ready to go, I wouldn't be shocked to see him in the lineup. But we'll find out. Um, you know, I was going to think about, like, when Nico comes back, the, the Devils' top two lines will be more defensively sound. And there should be a better improvement on the defensive side on those top two lines. Um, I would like to think that a lot of the lines will stay intact for the most part, usually being the wingers and the, and Jack Hughes on center. So I think there won't be too many tweaking to, to go around. No, I think so. There won't be much tweaking. Like I said, if he sure can get into the lineup, maybe that can get Paul Mary going. So, um, speaking of get things going, um, the rumors that you were telling me, uh, the rumblings going on behind the scenes, uh, 
what are some things you can tell the listeners? Um, all right. So couple things. So I'm going to give you the confirmation stuff. So obviously what I told you about the Devils players testing positive came out, Blackwood, Palmieri, Zajac, all those guys I told you tested positive. Probably a couple, a handful of others. I've heard seven, possibly eight guys. Um, that's not including our good buddy, Steve Kangelosi. Wish him well. Um, oh, buddy. Suffering. Yeah. He's uh, suffering from uh, COVID. He's getting over it. Feels good. But he was not on the telecast tonight because of um, because of that. Kenny Albert filled in for him. Um, and and so Kenny Albert did a good job. So hopefully Steve will be back soon. But you know, they, there's definitely some guys down there um, that you know have it. Um, you know, it, it was interesting to me to be me. You know. Is it going to come out? And again, you don't know if it's going to be proven or not. If the devil's broke protocol because of, you know, guys posting stuff on social media and doing things they're not supposed to be doing, being at the facility, stuff like that, you know. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the NHL finds. Excuse me, what comes out during um, during the. Um, during the rest of the week and when they get back to action because it's uh it's definitely interesting to see how so many guys got it. And, you know, it started with Zajac the Friday before the Buffalo game. They flew up. They asked the NHL if it was okay. NHL says, yeah. I'm like, oh, boy. And then Palmieri plays with it on Saturday. Test positive right before the game. So that whole fiasco. And then it goes through the entire team in Buffalo. So it's just like – you look back and, you, and you're just like, you know, why did they play those games considering what was going on? Yeah, I kind of had a discussion with someone um, in person. I said the league needs to put the players over profit before they just rush them in to play games back to back. Like everyone needs to be uh, tested before and tested after and needs to be reported ASAP. You know, that way refs are notified teams are notified you know that way you know this is all reduced and you know almost mitigated absolutely like they put new protocols in place obviously to, to fix things but again you just look back on it it was a messy situation and it you know it makes the nhl look bad yeah, and, like, one of the things is I just wish that, you know, they would, you know, just be more upfront, like, a little bit quicker and, you know, just let the players, you know, not have to worry about being infected by other players, you know, when they play them on ice. But it goes to show you, like, there there have been those adjustments that you just mentioned. Um, what are some other things that the NHL is working on other than those protocols? Um, well, obviously, they got the big games this weekend in Lake Tahoe. Um, they're also telling teams to look for facilities early, or not early, but October 2021 for the 2021-22 season because they want to start back up on a regular calendar. And so, um, 
you know how we talked about the draft should be pushed after free agency free agency um what is it looking like now like given the fact that free agency is going to be coming a little quicker and it seems like the nhl draft for the 21 class will be shifted should i say that's a good point you know, because you talk about scouting and everything, a lot of guys haven't been able to do their jobs this year because of not a lot of action. You know, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, junior leagues not playing. You know, some college teams playing, some aren't. If it's after, like I say, free agencies after like the first draft, that'll give an idea of what team may need coming for the twenty twenty one class, which will actually be interesting because I would like to see free agency actually moved before these drafts because like in the NFL, it makes teams do different things than they normally would. And it gives you different scenarios to play out. Yeah. And it, and it goes to show you like free agency wise, who would commit to signing with an NHL team and uh, who else doesn't want to stay. Um, you also have, well, I mentioned earlier in the episode is that um, we have the Seattle expansion team coming in and you want to know who you're going to protect who you're going to make vulnerable you know to to the new the seattle kraken yeah i mean that's going to be interesting because you have the expansion draft don't forget about that um it's just so much wildness going on right now a lot of teams, you know, they're trying to figure out what they need to do. And the trade deadline is even crazier because do you want to trade with a team in Canada? How quickly are you going to get them? Like the quarantines, like what all that stuff's going to be doing? Is it just, um, Maybe we won't have as many trades. You, you don't really know. There's so many factors into this thing. And one of the biggest thing, you know, is COVID. And it could change the game just like within a drop of a hat. Yeah. Like I always tell – you know, anyone like outside the podcast and inside the podcast, I have to tell them is that this is a very completely complex uh, hockey season. I mean, yes, there are people, you know, in different demographics and uh, categories who have gotten their vaccine first, their first one of two or their second of two already. So we're kind of like in a phase. So I was just watching something saying that by 2022 we'll be at uh, world herd immunity. They're saying they're projecting. Um, I'm hoping that maybe if people get out, they get their doses in um, if they do want them, um, we'll be able to maybe get back to a new normal. So maybe we'll see more trades done after um, there's some sort of new normal. Yeah back to what we're supposed to see fans in the building and everybody at games and hanging out and doing what we're supposed to be doing. But for now, we just got to do the virtual thing and, you know, do our podcast after games and, you know, me and the bobbleheads are hanging out. Um, (laughs) So, um, and they're all happy that the Devils won tonight, but, um, (laughs) You know, we'll see what what happens. You know, it's going to be an interesting hockey season. Obviously, the big thing, the devil, you know, the NHL doesn't want to pause anything. They feel like they've gotten through what they've gotten through, and they're just going to keep plugging along because the other sp- sports leagues went through it, and they're just going to have to deal with it because they're not in a bubble. And, you know, it's going to be interesting once we get to the conference finals where they decide to put things because, obviously, 
you know, there's going to be a Canadian team involved in it, and they're not going to be able to cross border, most likely. Yeah, and so, I mean, speaking of crossing things over, um, before I know we probably have maybe less than 10 minutes left in the episode. Um, I would just want to see what you wanted to tell the fans about your recent articles. Um, you can always hashtag some of them. Yeah, I mean, so I've taken – so obviously looked at Will Butcher a little bit in the rumors, you know, see what, you know – We've talked about him before, what happened, like where he's going potentially, you know, if he's on the move or not. I don't think so because they just need depth of defense and seeing what he can do tonight during the game against the Rangers. I think he'll be sticking around for a little bit. Um, you know, I, I discussed the whole um, full press hockey. I discussed the whole situation with the Devils and the COVID and the Sabres and how it was an ugly mess for the NHL and, and it's looked bad um, for the NHL, especially now. Knowing what we know and and the players involved, it just is a whole ugly mess because instead of two games just being postponed, now like 40-something games had to be rescheduled, and it's just a whole mess. Um, everybody knows my feelings on the schedule. It should have been 48 games, and you backlog it, um, back-end it um, for weeks, so that would have been fine. You still have the same end date, and, and you could have back-ended it. Um, what do we got coming up? Uh, just doing some predictions the next couple of days. And obviously I have my show on Saturday, probably looking at the guy, you know, looking at Alex Galchenyuk again. And, you know, we'll just go from there. And uh, I'm, I'm probably going to write some other things up as well. I want to look at this devil's PK. It's gotten better, um, but still some holes. So yeah, just, you know, some things, you know, just working around all, all odds and ends stuff that I haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, I want to plug a few things in. Well, actually, this is one article I actually have, but um, I will have to tell people this is that I have a pending article on the Puck Authority. Um, it's about how the Devils hiatus could be a big blessing in disguise because a lot of the guys, you know, pretty much are rested up. And it, a lot of them being young guys, I really see the way them, you know, bouncing back quicker than as if they were in an older team. Um, but then, yet again, you know, we're starting to see some of that already. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I think, you know, it was good to see, like I said, off the top, it was good to see them play a good third period, especially with guys going through symptoms of COVID, and we really don't know the lasting side effects. Um, but to see the have their skating legs was a good thing. Now, We'll see maybe a game or two down the road. But maybe the fact that they got some rest in a shortened season because they're going to be playing a lot is going to help. And they're not going to be practicing that much, so they're going to be having a lot of game play. Um, we'll see how the bodies hold up. But, you know, good to get a W coming out off the break. And, you know, we'll see what they do against Boston. I, I will I will say, you know, Boston's not an easy team. I mean, I know there a few of their players are getting up in age, but there are still a lot of young players that they have. You know, Matt Grizelchik, or they say Grizzlick, I think is one of their younger – one of their other better younger players outside of Pasternak. And I really like that Trent Frederick uh, fight um, that he had recently 
against the uh, New York Rangers recently. <laughs> that that was a good uh, hard nosed hockey that I saw um, on Twitter. So shout out to Molly Walker um, if you're listening to this episode. Um, I know you're covering the Rangers and the Islanders, but hey, that was a beauty of a fight. Yeah, it was a beauty of a fight for sure. No doubt it was. I mean, we saw some heavy hitting um, fights while the Devils were idle, especially um, L.A. and uh, Anaheim. Oh, dude, some great fights. I mean, look, that fights change momentum in series, so and in games as we've seen. And uh, I really, I think we should hashtag out um, our good boy Camp Jansen, who was on our Heads Up Hockey podcast episode. Um, can't say enough about him. Um, I really think that he should come on again. Um, I know Jake would be like very excited to have him on uh, this uh, on this show. Um, Cam is pretty funny. I will say that uh, when he talks on his podcast. Yeah, Cam's such a great dude. Um, we definitely have to have him on again. A good dude, fun dude, and uh, he, he loves talking hockey and he loves talking about the uh, his his time in the league and and where he's living now and with the Blues and all that fun stuff. Um, shout out Carlo Koliakovo, first up TSN. Um, those guys, those guys are good as well. But um, yeah, I, I, we'll we'll figure it out. Um, it's been it was fun talking about the first game back in a while. Um, feels like forever. Felt like another 12 months, but um, <laughs> good to have the Devils hockey back. Good to get the W. Always good when it's against your rival. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see what they do. All right, I'll say this. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It is uh, Raising Hell in Jersey podcast. I'm Joe Stanislaw, better known as Jersey Joe, from the Heads Up Hockey podcast. And this is Jim Berenger. Um I'm with uh, Mad Radio Network, The Last Word on Hockey. You can find me everywhere, Nightcap, Recap, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm everywhere. That's all you need to know. And that's all we have to say, and uh, let's go Devils. Let's go Devils. Peace. Peace.